Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Man, hey, welcome to Branch Life. We are so glad you're here. My name is Pastor Josh, and we're going to spend the next couple of minutes together uh, talking about this idea of welcome home. Before we dismiss the kids, we want the kids to stay for this part. This is a series finale. I don't know who you're rooting for in the World Series finale, but that was pretty exciting. This series finale is not that exciting. (laughs) But we're closing up this discussion that we've been having over this last month. And tonight, in order to close up this discussion, we need everybody involved, men, women, and children. Here's the idea that we're trying to express throughout the series, that we as a family here at Branch Life, whether you're a part of Branch Life, whether you're a guest and you're hanging out with us for a little while, or you will someday be adopted into our family, we want everyone to know the values that we want to live out together as a church. What are the things that matter to us, and what are the things that we will be focusing on and concentrating on as a family? What is branch life known for? And we can't just talk about these things. It's stuff that has to be lived out by every member of the family. So as we wrap up the series, it's only appropriate that we have a pop quiz. And you all are now in class. And you are taking this pop quiz. So grab a scrap piece of paper. You can use the card if you need space. The pens that were provided. And I'm going to ask you a a multi-answer question. And you're going to do your best to get all the answers Kids, you can do this. Now, if you're if this is your first time with us at Branch Life or you weren't able to be here for some of this particular series, you are allowed to cheat off of your neighbor, okay? So I don't know who you're sitting next to. I don't know if I recommend this method, but you can cheat off the people next to you. You can talk aloud. It's open Bible, open notes, open friend, this quiz that we're about to take right now. If you get 100%, you are an incredibly awesome person, Right? If you do not get anything uh, better than uh, anything right, you got 0%, you are also awesome, just not as awesome as the person who got 100%, right? So there's a scale that you will be comparing each other to, and of course you need to ask each other what you got on the quiz. Now, it's a six-answer question. One question, six answers. What are the six values of Branch Life Church? What are the six values of Branch Life Church? The six values that we have spent time talking about here during this series, Welcome Home. The six things that we want to be known for and the six things that are found in John 3.16. So I'm going to give you two hints while you try to list all six of the values. Hint number one, five of the six, it could be a make an argument, but we've been showing you five of the six values in this Verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So as I'm talking, hopefully you're answering and putting down the six values that we have been teaching on during this series. We've talked about them every time we've been together. They've shown up on social media and in emails and all this kind of stuff. 
And so again, if you didn't see any of this social media, if you're not getting the emails, jump online and like, follow, and let us know on your card that you want to be put in the email chain. So I'm stalling so you can get the answers. I'll show you one more hint, and this is a video that lives out one of our six values. Put your eyes back. Put your eyes back. There you go. I can't swallow. My mouth is so poopy. Why did she get two? I know. We're going to get you another one when we get home. You want one of mine? Not this side. What about you want this one? Let's go one in the middle and me Okay. Well, Sarah, I've had... Good job. Good thinking. It doesn't feel cold. It's not cold, though. It's really just... Okay. Why do they decide to let brothers and sisters get their wisdom teeth out at the same time? I'll never know, but it makes for some great videos, right? So one of our values is lived out here. Uh-oh. Time's up. You need to have your six answers. All right. So lock them in. They're locked in one through six. Let's see if you get them. They do not have to be in the correct order. You just need to have listed them as one of your six. And we're looking for, again, 100%. Our first value that we covered is the value of relentless prayer. We want to be a church that's known by prayer. We want to be a church that prays first and be always involved in encouraging one another to be surrounding ourselves in prayer. As a matter of fact, we have these prayer first journals that we would like everyone to have and to use on a regular basis. If you don't have yours, if you need another one, they're up here in the front. They're back by the offering boxes, and we'd love for you to grab one of these. Even if you're a guest, take one of those as our gift to you. We believe in relentless prayer. We're looking for people who would be a part of our online prayer team, who would pray with us by getting an email once a week. If you don't get that email, let us know on the card. We're looking for people to be on our Sunday prayer team. There are people together praying right now and they're praying for this time. They're praying for Pottstown. They're praying for uh, the Philadelphia area, the Northeast, and the entire world. They are having a, a war room battle, a spiritual battle that's taking place through prayer because they are a part of our Sunday prayer team. We're looking for someone to help us schedule those prayers, and the, that prayer team is then available here in the front to pray with anyone who would like things covered in prayer after every service. We believe in prayer. It's a value that we have. If we can pray for you, please put it in the cards and you will be prayed for this week. The second value is we value truth. You may have put something like the Bible or the word of God. That counts as this value. But this word truth encompasses the idea that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through me. And because of Jesus, we have the Bible. We have God's word. We have the book of, from God himself, and we at Branch Life love the Bible. We will open the Bible every time we get together. We care about God's word, and we encourage everyone who's a part of Branch Life to be regularly involved in reading, knowing, and understanding God's word for yourselves each and every day. We hope that you will do that. Again, if you're here and you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the front and Bibles in the back. Please take one. And if you have a friend that needs one, take one anytime as our gift to you. It is something that we value as a truth. The third thing is connecting culturally or cultural connection. We want to take the truth that we value and we want to connect it into the culture today. 
So we want to present things, the message of God's word, that, that in a way and in a method that connects with people in today's time, in today's culture, in today's space. We want to be creative. We want to be relevant. We want to be practical. And we want to connect the truth of God's word to today's culture, to Pottstown, to the Pottstown area, to the towns around Pottstown and expressing Uh, God's love in a lot of different ways. So cultural connection is our third value. Value number four, we believe we're better together. Unity. Unity. So if you put unity or better together, that would count. We are open to anyone at Branch Life because God said, whosoever comes to me. It's uh, no bias It's no prejudice. It's no bigotry. There's no requirements to enter in and to be a part of the Branch Life family. We believe that we are stronger together and that together we can do more. Together we can have a greater impact. Together we can shine a brighter light and together we can love on people in our town and in our generation than we could if we were apart or if we were separate. The second to last value is the value of radical generosity. We want to be a church that is for this world. We want to be a church that is for our neighbors. God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So we take that very seriously. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we want to be constantly involved in loving our neighbors in lots of radical ways for the sake of kindness and loving our neighbor, not expecting anything in return, not being closed-fisted with what God has given us, but being open-handed. And we want to live that out as a family. We want to live that out as individuals who are part of the family. Branch Life is here for this town and this time, and we want to be radically generous in it. This last week, we just had awesome things that we were able to do because of your generosity. We took four bags of hoodies and socks and, and gloves and dropped them off at the Pottstown Middle School who were looking for warm clothes for the kids that are going on a retreat. Thank you for bringing those. The assistant principal, Kim, said, thank you, thank you, thank you. She was overwhelmed that uh, the amount of generosity, and some of you might have brought some of that stuff tonight. Just leave it here up on the platform, and we'll take it to them this week. We were also to give, able to give our car wash money to the Pottstown Area Children's Foundation. It ended up for this group, ended up being like $340. We walked in to a board meeting and were able to hand it down to them, and they were just thrilled, and they said, please tell Branch Life. We said, thank you for raising money for us. That's the kind of stuff we want to just be really good at. We want to be radically generous, and we want to encourage you to be radically generous personally as well. And finally, the last and number six is multiplication. Now, you would have had to have been ahead of the game and remembered what we talked about because this is the value that we are covering tonight, multiplication. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more. It's not going to turn into a math class tonight, so don't worry. But how many of you got 100%? Let's see those hands. You got 100%. Awesome. Great job. Well done. Five out of six. How many got five out of six? Do we have anyone that just missed one? So either you knew them all or it was out the window, right? How about four out of six. All right, good. We're still in above the 50%. I'm going to stop asking. I'm not going to make anyone else raise their hands. Kids, ask your parents what they got on the quiz, and we want to make sure um, 
that they are able to share that with you and see what you got. Here they are in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. There's our cultural connection. We're here for the world. That he gave radically. He gave his only son who represents truth. That whosoever were better together believes in him. That's multiplication. Will not perish but have everlasting life. You know what? I want to show you that this isn't the only place in the Bible. So here's a bonus question. Where are these five, where are the five values, uh, absent prayer, where are the five values that we've covered in Matthew 28, verse 19? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, the same five values that we see in John 3, 16 are found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. This again is a cornerstone verse in Christianity. This is something that Jesus has said to every single one of his followers. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the mission and purpose of the church. This is extremely important. So here are the values. First, he said go. That's radical generosity. That's you giving of your time and energy, leaving things behind and going somewhere else for the sake of the gospel. Go. Be radically generous, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them. That's multiplication. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Of all, better together. Everyone. We are stronger when we are together. Listen, we live in a divided world, in a divided culture, in a divided country. And as Christians, the thing that unifies races and political parties and ideologies is the gospel and we can come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ all nations and there's the cultural connection the nations of this world need to hear the message of Jesus in the way that they understand it and where to take it to all nations we're here in this nation in this time it's our job to bring the gospel to this nation in this time and do everything we can to help the spread in other nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity who represent the truth. The truth is found, God's truth, in these three people. So there's our values. We have more to say on this, and the, we believe that these values make the church awesome. Not just Branch Life, but any church that's following these things found in John 3.16 or in Matthew 28. And so we're going to talk a little bit more tomorrow night about what six things make our church awesome, and why should I be a part of a church, and what difference does it make, and, and what does it look like when we're doing these things. And so jump on, and if you want to introduce someone else to Branch Life, that'd be a great way to have them do it. I love my church. We're going to talk about why Monday night, so jump in there. Branch Kids, we love you guys. Thank you for staying apart for the quiz. Let's give them a big round of applause as they head out of here, and they have a great time down in Branch Kids. Man, we got some good-looking Branch Kids, and everybody said... Amen, right? I've invited my friend Jill to come up, and Jill's going to read for us uh, a passage of Scripture that we're going to be referring to tonight. It's in Luke chapter 5, and it's verses 1 through 11. So if you would like to read along with Jill as she leads us in this time of prayer, uh, excuse me, in this time of Scripture reading, please do that. Luke chapter 5. Verses 1 through 11. One day, 
as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out onto the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Thank you, Jill. We appreciate it. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the idea of multiplication. And as we jump into this discussion, I just want to start by praying. God, Heavenly Father, as we explore this value tonight, we open our hearts and our ears and our minds to your words. God, we pray that you would challenge us. God, we pray that you would grow us. God, we pray that you would correct us. God, that you would motivate us. God, that you would inform us. God, that you would inspire us to follow you. God, that we would be willing to do whatever it takes to answer the call that you have for each of us tonight. We pray this for every individual who's present here, for everyone who is a part or will be a part of Branch Life Church. And God, that tonight you would allow this to be a spark that lights a fire that would allow the light of the gospel to burn brightly through the Branch Life family. So God, we lay this evening in your hands and ask God that you would work in a powerful way. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. When we talk about the idea of multiplication, when we talk about this sixth and final value that we'll be presenting to you as a church, we are talking about the value that all other values point to. All of the other values that we have talked about, relentless prayer, radical generosity, being better together, connecting in our culture, all of these values exist and point to this value of multiplication. You think about the incredible story of, in Scripture about Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the point of the Bible. He is the reason the Bible exists. He is what the Bible is talking about. And Jesus' life and the story and the good news of the gospel are the theme that matters most throughout history. When we look at Jesus' life and we ask the question of Jesus, Jesus, why did you come? Why did you ask us to pray? Jesus, why have you demonstrated radical generosity? Jesus, why have you said that everybody is welcome? Jesus, why did you start this thing called the church? Jesus answered that question over and over and over again. In the book of Luke, it sums it up just like this. Jesus said, 
I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus looked down on this world and he saw lostness. He saw broken, lost people who were in need of being saved. And he came to save the lost, to help those that were lost to be found. He told three stories in the book of Luke that point back to this truth. He talked about the story of the lost coin, the, 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 the necklace or the headband of a, of a woman who was recently married and losing this coin would be equivalent to losing your diamond ring and how we go all out to find that if we would lose it. He talked about the lost sheep and how the shepherd will leave 99 healthy sheep and go out into the wilderness to find the one sheep that was lost. He talked about the lost son, the prodigal son who had left his family and the dad who was watching and waiting and, and ready to receive his lost son who was found again with nothing but love and grace and compassion. Jesus said these stories and others point to this one truth. I am here. I am building my church for this reason, to seek and to save that which was lost. This value of disciples making disciples who make disciples. This value of multiplication is the value that all other values point to. The church exists to make disciples who will then turn around and make disciples. And disciple is just a simple word that means student or follower of Jesus. Followers of Jesus who are helping other people become followers of Jesus who will help other people become followers of Jesus. So in the story that Jill read from us from Luke chapter 5, it's also repeated again in Matthew chapter 4. It's the story of four of the apostles. When Jesus began his ministry, he began by himself. He was alone. And one of the first things that you read in the gospel stories after, after hearing about his birth and everything that we celebrate Christmas for, at the beginning of his ministry, he goes and he begins recruiting the 12 apostles. And he, he starts calling them to himself. And these stories are fascinating. He finds a guy named Matthew who was a tax collector, right? And he picks Matthew, and nobody liked tax collectors. But Jesus said to Matthew, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew became a disciple of Jesus. He found a guy named Bartholomew. He found a guy named Thomas. There were a couple of Jameses and a couple of Simons along the way. But in this particular story, we hear about the calling of Peter Andrew, James, and John. Peter and Andrew were brothers, and James and John were brothers, and they were fishermen. They lived out their lives on the Sea of Galilee, getting onto an old rickety little wooden boat, casting their nets out to one side or the other all day and all night so that they could pull in fish, so that they could sell those fish, and so that they could make a living. Now let me tell you, fishing wasn't their first choice. Because every Jewish boy wanted to become a rabbi. And the schooling process for becoming a rabbi was challenging. When you were a little, little guy, you had to go to the first school. And in the first school, you had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Have you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? I mean, Genesis is fascinating. You get the story of creation, Noah and the ark, some of these pretty amazing 
huge stories. Exodus, you get the parting of the sea and, and uh, the people traveling the nation through the wilderness and the ten plagues. But, but Leviticus and Numbers, whoo, those are a challenge. They're a challenge for me to get through. Imagine having to memorize them in elementary, right? Well, that's what they asked little Jewish boys to do. And only the best of the best got to move on. They went to a second schooling where the memorization requirements were bigger, and only the best of the best got to move on from there. They went to a third schooling, and at this time, you now had to memorize the entire Old Testament. When you look back in the New Testament, and you hear about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were the religious leaders of the day. These were the guys that had memorized the entire Old Testament. And when you didn't cut the mustard, when you couldn't memorize that much, if you didn't make it to the top, you were dismissed, and you went on to another career. You see, for Peter, Andrew, James, and John, being fishers of men, being fishermen, excuse me, wasn't their first choice. But they were out there faithfully doing what they needed to do. So they were fishing one day, and along came Jesus as we read in the story. And for one reason or another, he had to get onto the boat of Peter. And while he was on the boat, he had done a little bit of teaching. Just imagine that. Jesus used your boat to teach some people. And so not only is Peter helping Jesus, but he's in the front row for some incredible discussions. He's hearing it firsthand and probably for the first time about who Jesus is. And Peter and Andrew are on this boat. And after the, the teaching is over, that he says, hey, guys, let's go fish some more. And they say, you know what, Jesus, we've already fished today. We're getting to that time of day where it's really, not point, it's really no point to fishing anyway. They're not here today. And Jesus said, ah, let's do it anyway. So they said, fine. They obeyed him because Jesus was considered to be a, a rabbi, a teacher. And they got out into the, the sea, and they threw out their nets, just humoring the teacher. And I just kind of imagine Jesus having a conversation with the fish. He's saying, all right, guys, I need all of you in this area to swim into those nets. And I know it's the last thing you're going to do. But this is why you were created. And so he sends Jesus, all of these fish, into the nets. And there are so many fish into the nets that Peter and Andrew had trouble bringing it into the boat. They were overwhelmed. You don't see catches like this. I mean, this is stuff that people dream about, especially people who get paid by the fish. And so they quick called over to their friends on another boat. It was James and John and their dad. Zebedee. And they called over and they said, hey, we need help. We got a lot of fish. And they came over and the Bible tells us they filled both boats with fish. Man, why would Jesus do that? Why would he do that miracle at that time in that moment? Because Jesus was going to make a proposition, a proposal. He was going to call these men he was going to call them to something special, something extraordinary, something fantastic. And he needed them to know that he was special. That he wasn't just a teacher. That he wasn't just somebody that had good words. But that he was God himself. That he had control over creation. That he had the ability. He had truth inside of him. 
And when Peter, James, and John, and Andrew saw what Jesus could do, when he would make the call, when he would make the offer that he was about to make, they wouldn't hesitate. They wouldn't think twice. They would know that that is what they were supposed to do with their lives. And in Matthew, it's very specific what Jesus does after the fish have been brought on and the boats come back to shore. He gets ready to leave and he says to Peter, James, John, and Andrew, men, I want to invite you to follow me. I want to invite you to follow me. In this moment, Jesus had called to Peter. He had called to Andrew. He had called to James, and he had called to John. And he had opened an opportunity for them to set aside being fishermen and to become followers of a rabbi. He was accepting them to a level that only the smartest of the smart got to in Jewish culture. He was saying to them that they could follow a rabbi and they could follow their dreams, that they could follow God themselves. You know what, if I was sitting there and Jesus said, hey, follow me, you know what, I would be like, let let me think about this for a second. I've got, you know, friends and family, and this is like a business that we've started, and my dad's here, and I don't want to leave the boat, and, and we just got a whole bunch of fish, and you know, this could feed us and pay for our lives for the whole next year. I mean, it was an incredible opportunity they have. Jesus had basically just given them the equivalent of like six months pay, sitting in their boats, and then he said, leave it and follow me. And the Bible says that Peter, James, and John, and Andrew didn't hesitate. They didn't stop for a moment. They accepted the call to follow Jesus. I want us to think about some incredible things tonight as we talk about multiplication because this is where it all started. The first thing you need to know is that Jesus calls to you. Jesus calls to you. You know, we're just going about our days. And if your days are like my days, they're full of all kinds of busyness. Just this last Saturday, Jenny had to get up early and go to work Uh, and I stayed home with the two kids, right, Delaney and Will, God bless them, and Jenny's working away, and in the middle of the afternoon, she's supposed to come home, and she gets a text, my clients are late, I'm backed up, it's going to be a few more hours, okay, no problem, I'll keep the kids alive, fed, and dry, and so I'm keeping the kids alive, fed, and dry, and Jenny gets home, and she says, don't worry, dinner's on its way, I've got to go, and I'm going to leave, you got the kids for the rest of the night, okay, I got the kids for the rest of the night, all right, we can do this, and I'll, I'll put them to bed, and make sure their teeth are clean, and make sure they're having fun, and having a good time, and, and she gets home late at night after doing whatever she was doing, and, and she gets in there, and I go, I, I need a back rub. I just barely survived this day. Like, whew, I didn't have time to think about Jesus, right? I mean, life's so busy. And for a lot of us, when Jesus came into the picture, it was kind of an interruption. We weren't really expecting it. But somehow Jesus entered into our lives. It's the rare person that goes to find Jesus. But in most cases, Jesus is the one that comes calling. Jesus is the one who calls to you. Jesus is the one who chose you and said, I want to invite you into the family. I want to lead you into the family of Christ. I want to lead you into this thing called the church. I want to to invite you 
to be a son or a daughter of God. Jesus chose you. Isn't that incredible? There's nothing special that you have. There's no merit that you give. You are just an ordinary person that the Holy Spirit has reached out to and called you to himself, called you to a part of something extraordinary. Think about it this way. God chooses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were just normal people. They were just normal, run-of-the-mill fishermen. Matthew, just a regular old tax collector, stealing from people left and right. Just ordinary. Bartholomew and Thomas. Thomas had so many questions. And Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm choosing you. You're ordinary, but I want you to do something extraordinary. And when God chose you, just a regular old ordinary person, he is calling you to something that's extraordinary. Because in the power of God, when you are connected as a son or a daughter to God, to the creator of the universe, you are able to tap into something that's incredible outside of yourself that could never be accomplished by ordinary means. And he calls us into this relationship. There's a a film coming out, and it highlights the life of Harriet Tutman. If you don't know her story, you should. Because she was just a young girl that was caught in slavery. And throughout her story, she breaks free and she runs away and she makes, makes her way up towards the Philadelphia region where she could be free. And it was harrowing and life-threatening and, and she gets her freedom. And instead of just deciding to be free, she, an ordinary slave girl, does something extraordinary she traveled back down into slavery's region where she could be recaptured and killed to rescue more slaves and to bring them to freedom. She's one of the amazing people that have created this thing called the Underground Railroad. And so she went back to get her family and her friends and brought them through the Underground Railroad successfully. And she decided to do it again and again and again and again. Thirteen times she put her life in danger and she rescued over 70 slaves and brought them to freedom. An ordinary slave girl. And when you read her story and when you try to understand her motives... The reason she did something extraordinary, the reason she was able to do something that was outside of herself was because of her faith in God. She tackled head on the evils of slavery, not in the name of Harriet Tubman, but in the name of Jesus. And she prayed to God every step of the way. She was a woman of faith, an ordinary person who God called to do something extraordinary. God's calling to you, and God's asking you to do something extraordinary. The second thing I want you to think about tonight is just this. Jesus calls you to him. Jesus calls you to him. He calls you into a personal relationship with himself. When you answer the call to become a Christian, when you decide to be all in in, this, in your faith journey, That decision means you have decided to become a follower of Jesus. We use a lot of terms in today's culture for for salvation. We say, have you gotten saved? Have you been born again? uh, Have you asked Jesus into your your heart? Some of these are good terms that people understand, and some of these really are hard to understand. But the simplest way we can explain salvation is this. Have you decided to become a follower of Jesus? 
And when Jesus called you, he called you into a relationship with himself. That's why Jesus is so important. That's why we talk about it being something personal. When you accept the gift of salvation and you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have been called, you enter into a relationship with Jesus himself, the Son of God, the Savior of mankind. And you can walk and talk and follow him. It's awesome. There are a lot of people out there that say they believe in God or they believe in a God or they believe in God's. There are a lot of people out there that say they think Jesus is who Jesus says he is. But the problem with a lot of people is they say it with their mouths, but they don't live it with their lives. When you become a follower of Jesus, you will have a life-transforming event. You will go from following yourself, following some philosophy or some religion, to following Jesus, and it will transform your life. When you are a follower of Jesus, you won't just say it with your mouth. You will live it with your life. And what he says to do and what not to do will matter. And where he says to go and not to go, you will listen. And where Jesus goes, you will go. And what Jesus asks you to do, you will do. Because you have been called to him. Peter, James, and John and Andrew understood this. But think about this thought. The two greatest obstacles to following Jesus are number one, the distractions of this world, and number two, the promotion of self. Why do so many people say they believe in God, say they believe in Jesus, but they don't follow him? They don't participate in the church. They don't live lives that are honoring to God and God's word because the, the two greatest dangers to following Jesus are the distractions of this world. A few weeks back, we talked about rest for the tech stressed. And one of the points we made is that we live in a time and a, and a culture and a day and an age where distraction is the norm, where distraction is the addiction of choice for many people. It is so easy to get distracted in today's day and age, but it doesn't have to be technology that distracts us or sports that distracts us. It can just be life. It can just be fishing for more fish. It can just be getting the job done that you're trying to get, be, get done. It's just keeping your kids alive and fed and happy. All of these things can be distractions, and they are distractions that keep us from following Jesus. And there is a way to do all of these things in a way that is honoring as we follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, when you follow Jesus, all of this other stuff, all of this stuff in the world, you will learn to handle God's way. But the world keeps us distracted, and if James and Andrew if John and Peter would have looked back at their boats, looked back at their business, looked back at all those fish, looked back at their own dad and said, you know what, Jesus, I can't. I got to take care of this. They would have stopped. They would have not been able to do the extraordinary because they would have been distracted by the world. And what if they said, Jesus, what's in it for me? I mean, if I stay here and take care of these fish, I've got more money. I've got more of a livelihood. I've got something that I can rely on. And, and what if they said, you know what, what's, what about me? What about my cares? What about my concerns? What about my plans? And what about my dreams? They would have fallen into the second trap, promotion of self. And we live in a self-promoting culture. We live in the age of the selfie, where it has become the opportunity for me to put my name out there and advance my agenda and my brand. 
But as Christians, we don't advance my name and my agenda and my brand. We advance the name of Jesus. And when Jesus calls you to himself, he calls you to stop promoting yourself and to start promoting him. But if we get caught in self-promotion, and we could talk about hours about ways that could happen, we miss the call to follow him. When Jesus called these four disciples, he called them to follow him, and he called them to a relationship with him. And then he used an amazing picture that we're going to end our talk with tonight. And this is the picture that Jesus used. He said, guys, when you follow me, I am going to make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Disciples of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are called to be fishers of men. This is our new vocation. This is our new wine. This is our new creation. When you become a follower of Jesus, your mission has changed. Follow me, guys. Don't worry about these boats and these nets and these dead fish. Your dad can have them. Follow me, guys, and I will make you fishers of men. We're going to find more people who will become followers of Jesus just like you have become in this moment. When you follow Jesus, you will become a finder of men who will also become followers of Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you have been found so that you can find people. At Branch Life Church, we care about fishing for men. It is a passion for us. It is a value of ours. It is what we pray for. It is what we ask God to do powerfully in and through us. It is why we give generously. It is why we connect culturally. It is in our DNA. We want to be about it as a church. We want to be about it as small groups. We want to be about it as individuals following this call to be fishers of men. So how's the fishing going? When's the last time that you, Christian, had a conversation with somebody else and introduced them to Jesus? When's the last time that you were in the presence of someone who accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? When's the last time you were able to stand with or celebrate with someone you knew who was getting baptized because they were ready to proclaim to the world that they were all in? When's the last time you were personally involved in helping someone to become a follower of Jesus. And for so many of us, myself included, the answer is, it's been too long. Has it been a week, a month, two months, six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years? But if this is our call, if this is our job, if this is the thing that God is asking us to do, shouldn't we get better and better at it with time? Shouldn't this be something that we measure and we celebrate Shouldn't this be something that we strategize about and go after? Jesus calls you to action. He's calling you to do something. And if you are a follower of Jesus, he is calling you to action. He's not calling you to show up and to listen to a sermon and to sing a few songs every week. He's not calling you to host a small group in your house and and make sure that you're hospitable. He's he's not calling you to just be a great example and to be kind to other people in the world. All of those things may be involved in what we do, but it's not our call. Our call is to action, to fish for people. 
and to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Every single one of us who follow Jesus have this call, and it matters. Yet, the two greatest obstacles for multiplication are the distractions of this world and the promotion of self. Why don't more people that I know choose to follow Jesus? Why am I not a part of celebrating baptisms with my friend and family? Why can't I seem to see more people come to Christ? The obstacles that are in your way are the distractions of this world. And today I want to ask you very, very pointedly, have you been too distracted by the things of this world to actually be fishing for men? Are there things that are taking your time, attention, and energy that are keeping you from the action that God has called you to? And if the answer is yes, you have then been attacked. And then the other one is promotion of self. Listen, I'm about to present something to you that I'm very excited about. And I've got stories to tell you. And, and there's some things that, that I've been working on personally that are connected to being a fisher of men. And I, I want to tell you, this is hard for me to be about fishing for men. And I'm the pastor. But there are people that I've been praying about by name every day for the last two years. And it seems to still be something that I put off. Something that I push to the side. Because what if I actually sit down with that person who I know and love? What if I actually talk to them about the gospel? And what if they look at me and think I'm weird? What if they, what if they take my relationship and all of a sudden it's awkward? What if we can't be friends? What if I turn them off and, and somehow they run away from God even farther than they are? And, and what if I don't look so good or am not as popular as I want to be? And all of a sudden I get more worried about what's going to happen to me. Just thinking about talking to someone else about the gospel. There's a recent survey that came out by the Barna Group, and it said something like over 80% of Christian millennials think that it is wrong to tell someone else about the gospel because they don't want to impose their views on someone else in the society. In other words, they think that it is wrong to be a fisher of men and to do what Jesus has asked them to do because we're worried about what we're going to look like. We're worried about the reaction, the negative things that could happen to us. Promotion of self then becomes an obstacle to the action that God has called us to do. So where do we start? Tonight I'm super excited. I'm going to get emotional. To share with you where I think God is taking us as a church and has nothing to do with where we meet. It has nothing to do with who's on staff, but it has everything to do with each one of us answering God's call. And if God could do this one thing, if God could do, and I've never heard of this happening successfully in another church, maybe it has, but if God could take this prayer and he could answer it to, for us tonight, it would be incredible, not just for the life of Branch Life Church, not just for everybody in Pottstown, but for every single one of you. Life-changing. Where do we start in this value of multiplication? I've said it every Sunday for the last month. It starts with one. It starts with one. At Branch Life, we value multiplication. That means each disciple needs to be reaching another person for Jesus. 
And so we're going to start our goal simply. And the goal for Branch Life Church is that everyone who is a regular part of Branch Life will reach at least one person in the next year. By two, the end of 2020, we want to celebrate each one reaching one. Now listen, we can't do this ourselves. It's not something that we can muscle through. It's not something we have the intellect and the power and the money to do. But in the name of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can ask God to do this because it is something he has the power to do. It is something that he is able to accomplish and it is something that we can follow him in. I believe that this prayer request, God, allow each of us to reach one person for Jesus this next year, pleases God. And I believe that that's a prayer request that he would love to answer. So we're introducing an initiative tonight. It starts tonight. It starts this day. And we're going to carry it as our theme through 2020. And it's simply this question. Who's your one? Who is your one? Who's the person that God is laying on your heart that you can pray for every day by name? that you can invest in, build a relationship with, be a blessing to, be kind to, be radically generous with, and who you, who you can invite into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's your one? Let me ask it this way. If there's one person that you would be so excited to see stand in the baptismal pool, giving their life to Jesus, who would that person be? And tonight we're going to start talking and praying as a church for each other's one, that everyone would reach one. Just so you know the, the spirit behind this, it's not a movement that's unique to us. It's something that's being talked about in the church nationwide. And so here is a little video that talks about the heart behind who's your one. My clicker isn't working. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one coworker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before, but it all starts with one. In our church, we've learned that there's nothing that we can do that is quite as effective at reaching people as simply equipping our members to carry the gospel to people outside of the church. It's not programs that reach people. It's not mailers that reach people. It's not sermons that reach people. It's people that reach people. And it is individual people um, having a relationship with one person that they're using that relational bridge to, to share the gospel with them and live the gospel out in front of them. That is the heart of the Great Commission. It's multiplying disciples, making multiplying disciples. So my one is uh, a guy that is one of my uh, high school daughter's teachers that we just really hit it off. He's not from the United States. Uh, he's new to Christianity, but he's just got a ton of questions. And in the last six months or so, he's accepted two of my invitations to come and I come to one of our church services. I invited him recently to, to begin reading the Gospel of John with me, which he, uh, he said, I sat down to read the Gospel of John, just a chapter or two. He said, by the time I, I got up from my chair, I read the entire thing and he showed me he had these just pages and pages of, of notes and questions that he said, I can't wait to discuss. He's agreed to start coming to church regularly now. So I'm praying that the day will soon come when I will see him express faith in Christ.
I've got my one. And now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? You know, I think about what will happen if God answers this prayer that we're talking about. And I think, you know, there's roughly 100 adults that are connected with Branch Life right now on a regular basis. There's 10 or 15 teenagers and about 30 kids. 140, 150 people. What if each one of us led one person to Christ in 2020? Well, I'll tell you what. It would double the size of Branch Life. What if, what if we actually had to baptize 150 people in the next year? That means we would have roughly three baptisms every Sunday. That's kind of like crazy talk, right? What would happen if each one of us led someone to Christ who then followed up in believer's baptism? It would have to be something that we're ready for as a church. We'd have to be trained and confident in understanding how to present the gospel. We'd have to be working together as a team. Our small groups become essential as a place where we care for one another, where we talk to one another, where we pray for one another, and where we're all in and helping one another reach their one. Our Sunday services become invaluable as a time where we worship God and as a time where we celebrate what God is doing, hearing stories of people's ones, hearing about the gospel, coming to Christ, and then seeing them baptized. We couldn't miss a week. We couldn't get out of the action. It's something that we would need to be a part of as a church together. And I believe that we are ready in this young life as a church to be about multiplication. We want to grow here at Branch Life, not just by seeing other Christians come to church. We want to see people who don't know Jesus come to Christ and come to church. We want to grow through multiplication. How do we do that? That's each one reaching one. I'm all in. The leaders of, your, of this church are all in, and we've already talked about it as a set of pastors. We've talked about it with our group leaders, and we are committed to doing this individually and then being a part of a team that's doing this together. So tonight, we're going to start introducing something for you to help you in this conversation. You might be sitting there like a deer in the headlights tonight going, you want me to do what, when, and how? I don't know what, I don't know where, I don't know how, and we're going to help you with all of that over the course over this next year. One of the simple tools that we're going to start introducing is this three circles conversation. And in the back corner, directly after the service, if you want to hear more about this, Pastor Scott will be there, and he'll explain to you what this is for the next 10 minutes. You can also Google it and go to YouTube. And we're going to start teaching the three circles conversation guide, and we're going to teach it over the course of the next few months. So hear about it, stop by tonight for 10 minutes, or go to a, another 10-minute discussion. We're going to do it and offer it after every Sunday night service between now and the holidays. But we're going to be intentionally training you and supporting you so that you can get this done. But I want to tell you, there's no real great strategy for this to happen. Prayer is the greatest strategy. This will happen if each one of us bow on our knees every day and ask God by name for people we know and love to come to himself. It's got to be a movement of God. It's got to be in his power and in his strength and in his time and in his will. And we have to be a church that goes to our knees in order to see God do something incredible. So as we start off this Who's Your One campaign, tonight we start with prayer. You have in your hands the cards, and I want to ask you to grab those. I'm going to ask you to fill out this card tonight if you are ready. And here's the invitation. I would like you to identify your one. Don't write a name yet. You may have it screaming at the top of your head, but just wait. 
We're going to give you an opportunity right now for the next couple of minutes to just go to God in prayer and to lay out this request to him. Number one, we are asking that everyone who's a part of Branch Life will lead someone to Christ in this next year and that that person will get baptized, saved and baptized. We want to celebrate that. We want to go after that and we want to ask God to do that miraculous thing. And we hope that other Christians and other churches in our area and in our network and online and around the world will do the same thing. We want to see God do a great work and a great movement. And so we want to pray for that as a group and as a church. We want to pray for one another. That's prayer request number one. Now, prayer request number two is God, who's my one? And I want you to ask God to help identify in your spirit one person, at least one person, who you will begin daily praying for, that you will continue investing in, and that you will invite to Christ throughout the course of this next year. Now, you don't have to limit it to just one. As a matter of fact, this is one of the things that I wrestle with the most. But who is God speaking to you tonight? Who, who is the Holy Spirit bringing to your heart and to your mind? And if tonight, if you have a clear answer to that question, I want to encourage you to write that name on this card. And then your pastors, your leadership team, will be taking your name, first names only, and the name that you write down, and we're going to have them on a list. I'm going to have them personally on my list. And every time I pray for you, I'm also going to pray for the name of your one. I'm going to do that for the entirety of this next year. I want to ask that we as a group in our service teams and in our small groups and when we meet together for classes and, and, and any time that we gather together as a church, that we highlight this thought. How's it going with your one? So pray for us as a church in this prayer time and then pray for yourself as an individual. And remember, let's pray against two things tonight. Let's pray against distractions of this world. If the world has been distracting you, and again, it could be good things, it could be bad things, confess that to God. Say, God, I've been distracted by this world. I have not been about the action you have called me to do because I've been distracted. Pray over those distractions that God will remove that as an obstacle. And second, pray over self-promotion. Pray that God will, will humble you, that God will calm your fears, that God will answer your questions and allow you to promote him over yourself so that you, an ordinary person, could do something extraordinary because when your one comes to Christ, that's not just someone who's entered into the family of God in this moment, that's someone whose life has been changed for all eternity, whose destination has shifted from a destination of hell to the destination of heaven, who has become a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To see one life transformed would be an awesome, awesome miracle, extraordinary. And God wants to use you to do just that. So over the course of the next two minutes, will you bow your head and go to prayer and ask this of God tonight?
God, we come to you as a church tonight in the spirit of unity, God, praying these same prayers. We, God, are so thankful that you hear us, that you receive these ordinary sinful people into your presence and you allow us to make requests of you. God, that you care about our lives, that you care about this church, that you care about our town, that you're for us. God, as we have talked about what we want to value as a church, let it, let it be so. Allow us always to be a church that's focused on prayer, that depends on the truth, that connects with our culture, that's radically generous, that's better together. And God, a church that's constantly making disciples and make disciples. God, allow Branch Life and the church as a whole to grow because people will come to know you as Lord, Lord and personal Savior because we are praying for their names right now tonight. God, we humbly offer ourselves to you. We confess, Lord, that we haven't always been about the business of the call, that we always haven't been about the mission of fishing for men. God, we've been distracted. God, we've been promoting ourselves. And we confess those things to you, Lord. We ask, God, that you conquer those in our lives. Lord, that you would remove those obstacles. Help us to be laser-focused, God, on what it is you'd have us to do who it is you'd have us to reach, and how it is you'd have us to fish for men. God, that we would be followers of Jesus that act like it with our lives and not just say it with our words. Lord, we pray that you would give each of us now a name. Lead us to one person that you would have us love in your name. Lead us to one person that you would have us pray for. Lead us to one person that you would have us invest in who needs encouragement, God, who needs support, who needs friendship, who needs family, who needs Jesus. Lead us to that name. And God, enable us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to offer them the good news of the gospel. In your timing, in your place, God, being led by your spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would allow each person who's connected with Branch Life in this next year to lead one person to Jesus. And we know that's only a work that you could do and that we would be able to celebrate that one's baptism. And God, as we start this conversation about who's your one over the next several weeks, we pray, Lord, that you would seal this into our heart as a church. And God, that we would continue to follow you and do what it is you've asked us to do, to be fishers of men with every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here tonight and not sure if you're a follower of Jesus. And tonight I want to invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus. It's simple. You just need to confess your sin. God, I know I'm a sinner. You need to believe that Jesus died and rose again for you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me and I I believe you rose again from the dead. And you need to accept the free gift of salvation. God, I accept your salvation. I want to follow you. I want to be a part of the family. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And tonight, if you prayed that prayer, would you please let us know? Mark that on your card as you turn it in. Or if you have any more questions, you'd like to pray with somebody, there'll be prayer team members here in the front who would love to talk with you and pray with you about that more specifically. It's the most important thing you could do tonight is to have that conversation. So don't, don't walk out of here without talking to somebody if you still have questions. For those of you that are followers of Jesus and you're here tonight, are you ready to write a name down? 
one person that you would love to see Jesus save this year and use you to do it? If you're ready, I want to invite you to write that name on the card now. And you may not be ready, and that's okay. We're going to take the next few weeks together to talk about this and pray about this. You may want to go home and pray about it more and talk to family and loved ones. That's fine. But if you're ready, would you write that name down so we can start covering that name in prayer? And again, it's just a first name only, just for the sake of prayer. We're not going to do anything else with it but pray. And then don't let the distractions of this world and the promotion of self stop you from this. This is the last thing Satan wants this church to do, is to start reaching more people for Jesus. So let's keep this covered in prayer. If you're here tonight and you said, uh, Pastor Josh, I'm willing to pray for this every day for the next month, the month of November. I'm willing to pray by name for one person. I'm willing to pray for our church as a church to accomplish this mission tonight. If you're willing to make the commitment to pray every day through the month of November for the Who's Your One campaign at Branch Life Church and for your one, would you raise your hand? I'm willing to make this commitment. Let's start praying every day. Praying every day. Don't get distracted. Don't lose sight of this. Let's start praying together every day. Every day by name. Thank you. If you've done that, would you say, I'm praying in November on your card? Let us know you're doing that. I'm excited about the conversations that are going to come up. I'm excited about the plans that we have that God's leading us to. Not the least of which is going to happen this Christmas Eve. So I want to tell you a little bit more about that and, uh, and let you know what's happening. God, we pray for these commitments. Lord, we pray for these ones. Do a miraculous work. Use us. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.